Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. A new series on relationships, and we are going to begin in Genesis chapter 24. It is actually the longest chapter in the book of Genesis, 67 verses, but fear not, we will not read all of them. All right. And this is a love story. All right. This is a story about somebody who gets married. And if, by the way, if you are looking for the right one, this is for you, right? If someday you're going to be looking for the right one, this is for you. Or if you have friends or kids or grandkids that might be looking for the right one, this is for you, all right? Um, <laughs> I met this week with a group of our singles, in fact, yesterday, um, Jeannie and I will be celebrating 40 years of marriage in a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, we've got our 15th and 16th grandchild on the way. So it's been a while since I've been dating. <laughs> Except for Jeannie, of course. Uh, so we, we met with some singles, get some input. And uh, we're really going to give you a lot of practical stuff during this whole series, whether you're single or married. I just want you to open your heart, all right? Now, if you're single, let me just say this right off the bat. What you need to do is not be looking for the one, but you need to be the one that the one you would want to marry would like to marry, all right? Be the one, all right? Uh, I was reading a book by Craig Rochelle a while back, and this story's in the book. I wanted to just start with this before we get into Genesis. There was a young girl, very committed Christian, she went away to college. She did what a lot of college students did. First, she gave in a little to some peer pressure, started going to parties and mingling. Then she started drinking every now and then, and gradually it melted into more and more. After a while, she tried a few drugs here and there. And, of course, she met a lot of guys, which kind of evolved into guy after guy after guy. Then without really even realizing what had happened to her, she gradually slid into a lifestyle of very destructive sin. Even as all this was going on, somewhere in the back of her mind, she kept thinking, I still believe in God. And someday I want to have a godly marriage. I'll go back and I'll do what's right sometime. But in the meantime, she just kept on living this destructive lifestyle. As fate would have it, one day, a friend introduced her to a guy out in front of the student union. He was everything she had ever hoped for in a potential husband. He was godly, terrific leader. He even discipled other young men. He was already using his gifts to try to make a difference in the world. He was just beginning what looked like it was going to be a very promising career. And she felt like they had really hit it off. She talked to him every time she got a chance. After a few weeks... She went home one weekend. She told her mom, I'm pretty excited. I've met this guy at school. He's everything I've ever wanted. He's godly. He's kind. He's wise. He's just perfect. He's exactly the kind of guy I've always wanted to marry. I think he might be the one. And I'm thinking about letting him know how I feel. The girl's mother frowned. And as lovingly as she could, she said, Oh, sweetheart, if this boy is everything you say he is, I think you really need to be honest with yourself. A young person, a young man like that, is probably not going to be looking for a girl like you. And she literally, the story goes on, just fell on the floor and just began to weep and uh, repented and changed that day. Right? But here's the facts. It doesn't matter what you want. Like attracts 
like. And if you hope to have a godly marriage one day, you need to start living a godly life today. Right? Be the kind of person that the person you would want to marry would want to marry. Genesis 24, verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. He's old, but he's blessed. And he's blessed in every way. But here's what I want you to notice. If you've read Abraham's story, Abraham was not perfect. And it was not that he did not have battles and difficulties in his life. He had some failures. At one point, he actually lied about his wife and said that she was his sister. Right? And a lot of people think, you know, I'm going to get married and then we're just going to ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. Never going to be any problems. Never going to be any problems. Let me just say this. Your spouse will not be perfect. And you are not perfect. Right? And if you're married, your spouse will confirm that. But in spite of the fact that we have two imperfect people, we can have, and in spite of problems, we can have a blessed marriage. And we can have a blessed family. And we can have a blessed life. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh. And in the next verse, there is a suit for sexual harassment. No, not really. (laughs) This is actually an old form of contract or covenant. But I like new forms of contract myself, all right? So let's let's keep going here. All right. And I'll make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country, to my family, and take a wife for my son Isaac. Now, Abraham is from 450 miles away from Ur, but he's living in Canaan. And the Canaanites are wicked and they're perverse. God had said to Abraham that the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. They just kept on becoming more and more wicked and more and more perverse as time passed. Now, at this point, Abraham has been in the promised land for about 65 years. Isaac, his son, is 40 years old. And he needs a wife. Scholars tell us that at that time, the cultural custom was for a man to marry when he was about 30 years old. All right. So Isaac is a bit behind the curve. All right. Now, I I know what happens today when people feel like they're behind the curve. Right. First of all, there's often, you know, pressure from family. Every time they see it, well, do you have a boy yet? Do you have a girl yet? You know. Aren't you going to get married? What's wrong with you? Look at your brother. Look at your sister. All right? right? But listen, don't freak out if you're a little bit behind where culture or relatives think that you ought to be. All right? You're much better to wait and believe God for a great spouse. Don't settle for just anything or anybody that shows up. Now, what we're going to look at here is an arranged marriage. You know, and in our culture, we're like, oh, my goodness, how, you know, archaic. An arranged marriage. Um, We have a a missionary who comes here. He's from India, Brother Abraham. Some of you know him. He started over 4,000 churches. I remember when I was over in in India with him, he was uh, just getting a husband for his daughter because marriages are arranged. All right. Now, they, they do it very different over there. 
All right. And by the way, the divorce rate in India where they arrange marriages is 1.1%. Now, now yeah, around here, you know, they, they, the, the, the couple, they, they meet and, oh, he likes the same music I do. Oh, we like the same movies. You know, oh, we both like the mountain bike. Uh, he's the one. You know. All right. And, and over there, he said, well, we sit down, the, the families, and we see if we're compatible. Do we have the same values? Do we have the same morals? Do we uh, worship the same way? He said, and we, we look and said, now, does the guy have a job? Huh. What a noble idea. You know. <clears throat> All right. Well. Moving on. Verse 3. We've got a lot of verses to cover. <laughs> so I make you swear by the Lord God of heaven and the God of earth that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughter of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. Again, they worship a different God. Right? Now I want you to listen if you're single. Listen carefully. Right? God says don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. So this is what that means. That means God has a believer for you. He's got somebody. He will not tell you not to do something unless he's got something good for you, right? God has a believer for you. He has somebody who loves God like you love God, who wants to serve God like you want to serve God, right? Now, Eliezer, the servant, uh, he's immediately putting forth a contingency plan. In verse 5, he says, well, perhaps the young woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? And immediately, he said, well, what if it doesn't work out? All right? Now, I hope you do not have a contingency plan. All right? If you've got a contingency plan like, well, if I'm not married by the time I'm 36 or 24 or whatever it is, well, then I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to compromise. I'm going to go to the club. I'm going to go. Listen, you are not going to find the right kind of person in the wrong kind of place. And you're not going to find the right kind of person doing the wrong kind of thing. All right? But he immediately tries to put in this contingency plan, and Abraham just says no. He said, he said the God who spoke to me, the God who's helped me, he's going to send his angel, and he's going to make sure that things work out. All right? but that's verses 6, 7, and 8. Now, I think this is interesting, that this is the first time the Bible shows us the marriage process, a marriage process. And in, it's in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And you know, in Bible interpretation, there's the rule of first mention. The first time something is mentioned, God shows predominant truths about that thing that are always true. And listen, I think it's interesting that he said God's going to send his angel. Right? He's relying on God for a spouse, not on culture, not on circumstances. He's relying on God. Now, somebody said, but what if I marry the wrong one? Look, if you're married, look at me. When you said I do, they became the right one for you. That's a fact. So I said, yeah, but, but I think I married the wrong one. I want to play this out with you, all right? Let's play this out. Okay, so you married the wrong one. So the one that you were going to marry married the wrong one, all right? And the one they were going to marry married the wrong one. And the one that they were going to marry married the wrong one. And the one that they were going to marry married the wrong one. And you all by yourself has messed up God's plan for humanity for all of eternity. <laughs> right. Listen, there is not one. There is one kind. 
All right? There's not one. There's one kind. The Bible says this. She is at liberty to marry whomsoever she wishes, but only in the Lord. A believer. Somebody that believes like you believe. That wants to serve God like you want to serve God. All right? So Abraham says, look, God has made this promise to me. All right? God has said to me. And that's where his security is. His security is in that God is going to help him. His security is not in the place that he's at, but his security is in the Lord. Right? The most important four words are not, that you're going to hear are not, will you marry me? Or those are not the four most important words you're going to say. All right? But God has said to me. God has said to me. All right? Listen, no other dysfunctional person is going to fulfill you. And by you the way, we've all got stuff. We've all got stuff. Right? And if you think somebody else is going to fulfill everything, you're wrong because God has put a God-sized vacuum on the inside of you, inside of every single person. All right? So Abraham is in the promised land. He's in God's will. All right? He's got God's best. He's following God. And he said, look, we're not going to take my son someplace else to go and find a spouse. Don't take my son from here. All right? Look, if you are a Christian, don't leave the place you're at. Don't compromise your morals in order to find somebody. Don't go to places you shouldn't go. Don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Don't leave God's plan for your life because of feelings or loneliness or the world, the flesh, or the devil. All right? And if you're married, don't leave your covenant. Don't leave your marriage. Abraham was there for 65 years. He says, I've been here too long. All right? Hang in there on your marriage. Pray. Learn. I remember Jeannie coming to me and telling me that I needed help. <laughs> And I said, she said, she says, I'm empty. You're not meeting my needs. And I said, what do I need to do? And she says, I don't know, but you're not doing it. <laughs> I said, what'd you do? I went to the bookstore and got every book on marriage that was there, the Christian bookstore. And you said, what'd you do? I learned. I repented. All right. We need to grow. We need to change. All right. Now, this, this, is, this is a true statistic. That if you're here today and you're just in America, all right? This isn't talking about a Christian in the church. This is just in America. And today you say, my marriage is in trouble. I have a bad marriage. If you stay married for five years, there is an 80% chance that after five years, this is what you'll say, I have a good marriage. Think about that. Just stay with it. Learn, grow, repent. You know, you, you have two different people with, with total different expectations and needs. It takes a while to melt them together, right? Somebody said, the Bible says the two will become one, and you get married and figure out which one you're going to become. No, <laughs> no, but what happens is there's, there's give and there's take, all right? You, 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 the, the two of you learn together, all right? Listen, the, in fact, I'm, I'm going to get into this, but the Bible says those who marry will have trouble, all right? Why? Because you've got two imperfect people, right? But let me tell you something. The benefits are uh, worth a hundred times the trouble. You got that? The benefits, the blessings are worth a hundred times the trouble. 
right? So Abraham, he's not perfect. He compromises with, with Hagar. He lies about his wife, right? But even though you have dis, dis, how can we say, a dysfunctional relationship there at times, even though we're not perfect, God will still bless your marriage. He'll still bless your family if you will just keep on following the Lord. Don't give up. Keep on going, all right? If you're single, you're waiting for somebody, let me just tell you something. I'm not going to match you up. But I know somebody who will. And he's in heaven. And pray, all right? God said, do not be unequally yoked because he's got somebody for you that's going to be in the same yoke, going to believe God the same way, worship God with the same intensity, all right? Don't leave God's will for your life to go and find a relationship, all right? God will work in your life. You know, I read a book recently by Pastor Doug Bergsby. He pastors up in Rockford at the Res Life up there. And years ago, probably 20 plus years ago, he, his, his wife and daughter were in an automobile accident and died. And he wrote this book kind of talking about the experience and also about how he and his, his uh, present wife met. And this is what he said. He said, you know, if you, want to, if you want to find a spouse, he says, you pursue God with all your heart, serve God, and look around at who's in the, going in the same direction, and that's the, a person that you can take a look at. And I thought, ooh, that's good. That's good. Now, I mentioned I met yesterday with... Uh, several of our singles, because I've been married for 40 years, and, and uh, the single scene has changed in the last 40 years, a little bit, anyhow. And, and I said, you know, what are the things that you're facing today, pressure-wise? You know, and w- one young lady said, well, social media. She said, Every, everybody's looking at everything, and everything's got to be perfect. Listen, don't compare your behind-the-scenes with other people's highlight reels. Because you will be disappointed every single time, right? And we shouldn't be comparing anyway. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. For they measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's a trap. You take your weak point, compare it to somebody else's strong point, And what happens? You get depressed. You take your strong point, compare it to somebody else's weak point, and you get proud. You know what we need to do? We just need to keep following Jesus. Keep following Jesus. When Peter said to Jesus, well, what about John? John, this is what Jesus told him. He said, none of your business. He says, you follow me. All right? Don't worry about what's going on with somebody else. Follow Jesus. So Abraham's servant. It says that he took 10 camels of his, of, from his master, departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia, the city of Nahor. Now, he's got 10 camels, right? Now, a camel can carry about 300 pounds, right? So he's coming here with about 300 pounds worth of stuff, and it's called the dowry, all right? Now, in that culture, when you were going to propose to a young woman, you had to show some stuff, all right? Now, nowadays, we just usually have a wedding ring. But now, now I want all of the men to look at me, all right? Look at me. The opposite sex is called a female because there is a fee for having her, <laughs> right? Women are expensive, all right? Women are expensive, 
There's a fee. If you want one, get a J-O-B. All right? Because it's going to cost you. All right? So he shows up and, and he's got, he's got, listen, he's got 3,000 pounds worth of stuff. All right? And the first thing he breaks out with is a bunch of silver and gold, jewelry. Okay? So he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Now, this guy is setting himself up, right? Now, he knows all the young ladies are going to be coming out of the city. So he lines up his 10 camels by the well, right? Loaded with all their stuff. And again, he's just been on this 450-mile journey. And the chapter has 67 verses, but not one verse talks about the hardship of the journey. Again, because the benefits are so much greater than the problems. And if you're in marriage, there's going to be some, there's going to be some adjusting. There's going to be some troubles. There's going to be some, some hills that you've got to conquer. But it is nothing compared to the blessing all right, of a good marriage. It is nothing compared to that blessing. Right. So if you think, well, my marriage is never going to get better. Nobody's ever going to look my way. You're wrong. If you're married, you seek God. You do what God shows you to do. You repent. You grow. It's going to get better. And if you're, if you're a Christian, God has somebody for you unless you're the exception. You know, the Bible does talk about there's people that have a gift to be single. But if you've got the gift to be single, you don't want to be married. Right? But if you want to be married in your heart, and that's going to be the vast majority of single people, all right? God's got somebody for you. And he says, don't compromise. Don't go for the un- and be unequally yoked. God's got somebody for you where you're going to be equally yoked together, all right? So this is what he does. He gets there and he prays. And he said, oh, Lord God of my master Abraham, Please give me success this day. Show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water. The daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one that you've appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you've shown kindness to my master. Now the first thing that he does, listen, he positions himself in the right place. But then he prays. Now, if you're single, I want you to look at me. Anytime, every time you ever have a date, this is what I want you to do. When you both get in the car, the first thing that you do is you pray. And you say, God, we love you and we are going to honor you with this relationship. We want our lives to honor you. And we want this day or this night to honor you. And everything that we're going to do tonight, we're going to do to honor you. And we ask you to bless the time that we get to spend together. Let me tell you something. That's going to change a lot of behavior. But if you'll put God first, wherever you put God first, God blesses you. Get that? Wherever you put him first, he blesses you. Now, notice the first, the the servant positions himself. When Jeannie and I were in Bible school before we went to, to, to Mexico, we met a missionary who became our mentor, Wayne Myers. He had been in Mexico at that time for about 37 years. And his son 
David was a student with us. Uh, there was a young lady, very attractive young girl, uh, very godly girl, and she kind of set her cap for David. In fact, she said, I prayed, and I felt like David was maybe the one God had for me. But just to be honest with you, uh, she, was, she, was, she was a cute girl, but she always wore these Mother Hubbard type dresses. So she goes and sees Wayne. And she says, Wayne, you know, um, I've been praying and, and, and I really feel attracted to David. And, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking I might talk to David or, or what should I do? And Wayne said to her, no, I know this because she told me. Okay. He said, well, Wayne said, you know, I, nothing would make me happier. Then, then, you know, for you and David to be attracted for each, to each other, for this to all work out. He said, but, uh, you, you know, and he opens his wallet. And you got to know Wayne Myers. He opens his wallet and he pulls out two $100 bills, right? Now, today, that would be like six, seven, eight hundred bucks, right? And he gives them to her and says, go shopping and get some nice dresses. <laughs> what was he doing? He was positioning he was positioning her. Now, he went to the well. He didn't go to a club. He didn't go to the bar. All right. He went to the well where industrious people went. All right. You are not going to just listen. If you're single, you are not going to find the right kind of person in the wrong kind of place. Right. If you're looking in the wrong place, you are not going to find the right kind of a person. Somebody said, well, this is just not working for me. You only come to church once every six weeks. Of course it's not working. <laughs> you know, if I was you, I'd be here every week. I'd be here, shoot, I'd be here Sunday morning, both services. I'd be in one, working in another. You say, why? Well, I want to get where the kind of person that I want to marry is going to be. All right? I wouldn't be in a bar or in a club. I didn't think this was going to go over well, but <laughs> so, so this girl comes up, he asks for water. She gives him a drink and then she draws water for his camels, 10 camels. Each one can drink between 30 and 40 gallons. Whoo. She's, she's industrious, right? She's got a servant's heart, right? Now the Bible says some things about her right? and we're going to look at that in just a moment. Now you said, pastor, I need to pray. You know, you do, you need to pray, but you don't, don't pray for somebody and go, oh God, send me a guy that looks like Tom Cruise and has hair like Justin Beaver. It makes me laugh. Well, look, yeah, you're going to be, yeah, yeah, you're going to, you're going to be laughing when he's unemployed and your house is getting repossessed. Right? You, you need to find somebody that loves God, find somebody that's industrious, find somebody who's got a job. And it happened before he finished speaking. That Rebecca, a relative of, of uh, Isaac's mother, shows up. She gives him the water. She gives everything to his camels. And it's before he's even done speaking. He hasn't even said amen yet. Bam. God is working for him. Now, I can't tell you the timing, but I know that God will work for you. If you'll put God first and seek God and pray, God will help you. He will bring to you somebody who's going to have the same love for God that you have. The young woman was very beautiful to behold and a virgin. No man had known her. Now, I want you to notice beautiful and a virgin are together. 
right? Purity is beautiful. Don't let culture tell you everybody's compromising, everybody's doing it, and you need to do it. No, it's not true. It's not true. Purity is beautiful. Save yourself for that one person. This is the one thing that you can only give to one person once. Somebody said, but I blew it. I blew it. You know what? You can change that. And from this day forward, you can change. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God can give you a pure heart and a pure spirit, right? That will be attractive to the kind of a person that you want to attract. And remember, you don't get what you want, you get what you are. You attract who you are because like attracts like, right? So the servant, he asks her, she, he gives, she gives him a drink, gives drink to all of his camels, all right? And the man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord. What's the first thing he does is he worshiped. Look, God is at the center of the relationship. He's not a sideshow. He's not an add-on. He's not just for when it's convenient, right? And that's why I tell you, start every single date with a prayer, all right? He starts immediately. When, once he knows God's answered my prayer, he's down. He's praying. He's thankful. And she takes him back to the house where she lives and tells what happens. And then this is what he does. Listen, he tells the story of how God has blessed Abraham. He says, God has blessed Abraham. He's given him silver and gold, flocks and herds and servants. And he tells them a God story. He tells them how God has blessed Abraham and God has blessed his family. You see, what you want is you want a God story and not a Hollywood story. You want a story about how God's blessed your family, about how God's blessed your marriage, right? You can't do things the world's way and have a God story. Then you're going to have a Hollywood story. And you wonder what a Hollywood story is like? All you got to do is walk out of the grocery store. Right there's all of those tabloids. You'll see pictures of the most beautiful people in America, and they cannot stay married no matter how hard they try. That's a Hollywood story. But you can have a God story if you'll put God first. Well, then... They tell, her, they tell Rebecca, go ahead. She's going to go. She's going to marry Isaac. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands and tens of thousands. May your descendants possess the gates of those that hate them. And they bless her. All right? The family speaks words of encouragement and blessing over her. You know, we've been in, in uh, Rabbi Bowman's home several times for a, a dinner, a Shabbat dinner. And I think it's always interesting to me, always touches me that during that meal, he takes his hands, puts his hands on every one of his children, and they bless their children, right? We need to speak words of blessing over our children, that God loves them, that we love them, that there's a great future for them, that God's got a plan for them, that their life is going to count. You don't need to tell them they're good for nothing, they're going to end up in prison. No, you need to speak words of life, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So they're coming back that 450 miles. Now Isaac came from the way of Berlama, and he went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted up his eyes and he looked. 
and there the camels were coming. Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. The first thing that she sees Isaac doing is meditating. He's out meditating on God's promises, seeking God, following God. Right? What a great way to start a relationship. And the Bible says, and he loved her. He loved her, and they really did. They had a love story. Right? Be the person, the person you want to marry would want to marry because like attracts like pray ask God for your help for help and in your your dating relationship put God first and every time that you get in that car and close that door start with a prayer and if you'll put God first God will bless you and whether it's that person or another person God will bring into your life somebody where you will be equally yoked together and where you will have true fellowship, true communion, and the two will become one. For more information about ResLife, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about ResLife or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.